the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Jeff Bezos is reportedly engaged. Huh? Okay. Not much of a story there. Here's the story. Got engaged on this $500 million super yacht. I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. NASDAQ was a slight winner yesterday, as was the S&P 500. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was weaker, continuing the story of the year. NASDAQ and growth stocks are doing well. Value stocks and broad-based stocks, i.e. not the super mega caps, are struggling to find their niche. So stocks were mixed with the NASDAQ reaching its highest level since August, being a bright spot. Taking back a lot of losses from last year on the index. Meta was slapped with a $1.3 billion fine over data transfers. The fine over Facebook sending European user data to the United States is the largest ever handed out for violating the EU's digital data protection regulation. That's the law that makes those cookies tell you that they're there. United States and EU are trying to hammer out a new deal to allow such transfers again, despite the EU's concern that U.S. spy agencies are giving access to Europeans' data in the States. Seems a little bit messy. Because it is. Let's talk about what's going to happen today on the markets. President Biden and House Speaker McCarthy reached an agreement yesterday to keep talking. So, that's right. We have the debt ceiling still looming. After that gets done, we'll start talking about the Fed Reserve. What are they going to do next? But Wall Street likes to focus, hyper-focus on the short term. An agreement on raising the debt ceiling remains elusive, yet the party line for both leaders is that the conversation they had was productive and they'll continue to talk each day. This is positive sounding. Yet, I feel a little fatigued from talking about it every single day. The S&P 500 is near the top of its nine-month trading range, and longer-dated treasury yields are backing up. The market remains predisposed right now to believe a debt ceiling deal is going to get done, enabling the United States to avoid a debt fault. The debt ceiling drama has been a permanent distraction in the last two weeks. Home Depot and Lowe's. Last week, it was Target and Walmart. This week, we're also going to get Costco and BJ Wholesale. Um, what can you say? Um, disappointing 2024 guidance, noting it's seen lower do-it-yourself discretionary sales. So Lowe's is disappointing today. Question is, can we close above 4,200? Um, 
it's been very light volume on the stock market recently, suggesting that neither the breadth of the market or the amount of money going in shows much conviction. I really don't know what's going to happen with the whole debt ceiling thing. Um, I know that for years and years and years, we've said it will get done. And now we're just scratching our head going, I wonder if it's going to get done. Or I wonder why it won't get done. It's a little bit on the silly side. I don't want to talk too much about that because uh, I don't know. It, it seems like the wrong thing to be looking at. Meta is selling Giphy to Shutterstock with a loss of $53 million. Meta is selling Giphy to online stock photo marketplace Shutterstock. Meta acquired the popular platform in 2020 for $315 million but was ordered to divest the company by the UK's competition authority. Tech companies have faced mounting scrutiny over their acquisition and user data collection, both in the UK and US. Giphy is something that, I don't know. I just, I get it. It's tough to say, let's put a money value on it. So on your phone, if you download the Giphy app, G-I-P-H-G-I-P-H-Y, you could, uh, I don't know if you want to say Santa, uh, tell your kids, you know, Christmas is almost here. You can type in elf and you'll see memes and animated gifts pop up and you can put it in your phone. And like if your kids win a soccer game, you can send it to the team and it shows people dancing. I don't know. It's just, I don't get it. So Meta is losing some big time money on this. Acquired the company in 2020 for 315. It sold the company for 53 million. The UK's competition market's authority. I guess that's the story of the day. Is yesterday's story about Meta getting a big fine and now Meta's divesting a small play. Apple struck a multi-billion dollar deal with Broadcom, Broadcom for US made chips. Uh, the story there is if you listen to Apple recently in the news. They seem to be saying, oh, we can make things in India. Oh, we can make things in the United States. They're clearly trying to say, let's get away from uh, what we're seeing as too much reliance on China. So Broadcom was up about 3% pre-morning on the news. Apple down less than 1%. It's a 5G radio component developed by Broadcom, a technology and advanced manufacturing company. It's going to include FBAR filters and other wireless connectivity components. These components are very different than the 5G modems that are made by Qualcomm. So Apple said its deal with Broadcom as part of its 2021 commitment to invest $430 billion in the U.S. economy. It's to me, this feels like a lot of a headline without a lot of content, a lot of not a lot of bottom line. And clearly, it's great. It's great news to hear that they're going to be spending billions of dollars inside the United States. But it's tough to put your head around it and say, let's let's get to the bottom line on this one. JP Morgan is going to agree to purchase two hundred million dollars worth of carbon removal. Still an interesting business out there. JP Morgan, 75 million of the 200 million was announced in April when JP Morgan said it was joining Frontier. The investment in carbon removal and long-term contracts with carbon removal companies are part of a move to support a still 
new carbon removal industry. Big event coming up Thursday evening, May 25th, 6.30 to 8.30 in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. You can sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. It's all about income and wealth in retirement. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Retirement income. Income in retirement. Very, very important. You work from age 20 to 60, roughly. You live off what you've created from age 60 to 100. You throw in a little bit of Social Security, which I'm pretty sure you're going to be disappointed with how small it is. And uh, that's what we're here talking about. CFP Chad Burton. He is with EP Wealth. You can find him online at chadburton.com. I've recorded a few hours, probably about five hours in the past month with Chad. And you can go to his podcast and they're all there. It's pretty cool stuff. You can find it at New Focus on Wealth, where you get your podcast. It's called New Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. Thursday evening, he's going to join me in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. It's our favorite stomping ground. It's got easy parking in Palo Alto. What's better than that? Not much. Uh, but income is crucial in retirement planning. And it's a big event talking about it. Minimizing taxes as well. Investing during a period of higher inflation. If you haven't been investing for the last 15 or you've only been investing for 15 years, all you know is low inflation in very environments and what works. And I can tell you, stocks work well in low inflationary environments, but it's a different ballgame in high inflationary environments. We'll talk about 401ks and retirement sequences of returns. The content you hear today is the content we're going to be talking all about. Chad, where should we jump off this hour? Hmm. Well, let's see. The, the, oh boy, it's <laughs> we've talked about so many things the hour before in yes. terms of concentrated stock positions and IRA to Roth conversions. Uh, you know, you're talking about going to the podcast. A lot of the recent podcasts I posted are just you and I because I've been really busy with a, just a, a large amount of client projects that are people either selling their businesses or selling rental properties. So we could go there because, you know, I, I think we, we've seen the, the uh, movement out of certain areas of the country, like the Bay area in many cases. And I think a lot of people, as they get closer to retirement, they realize that, you know, I don't necessarily want to manage this rental property anymore, or the prices have gone way up, but the rents haven't caught up. So you might own this, you know, million and a half dollar, rental property in the Bay area, but your net income after all of your fees and everything else is two and a half, three 3%, which isn't great. Um, so, you know, we can go there, I guess. I have a rental property and it's kind of funny. Um, 20 years ago, it meant a lot to me. Uh, it's in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's in between North Carolina, North NC state and Duke. It's pretty great location for a rental, but I haven't been keeping up with the, uh, rents. I'm always like, I'd rather have a better renter. And my my company that services uh, the mortgage, not services the mortgage, but puts the renters in there, they've done a pretty nice job of raising the rents and like keeping me competitive. But if it were up to me, I would have made a mistake and kept it at a lower price. It's something we should talk about, right? Rental properties yeah. and cash flowing from it. Yeah. I mean, I see that all the time where um, I was just dealing with a couple that moved out of the Bay Area there in Idaho. They still have a rental property and Walnut Creek. And honestly, the, 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 the rent is, it's way too good of a deal. Okay. But they're like, we've had the same renter for 20 years. Uh, they consider her a friend and, you know, hopefully she's going to want to buy the house from us because they're ready to be done and move on because they want to buy a bigger home and have a place for their mom to come live with them. And, um, so they can take care of her in her last year. So things change. Um, but I see that all the time, um, where, you know, 
I've even been guilty of it, giving too low of a rent to, to people. Right. So, uh, and every time I look at, okay, here's what I have in my rental property. And if I, if I take, you know, half a million dollars and put it in the stock market and half a million dollars and put it in a rental property, if it's all paid off and every time I have to pay property taxes or maintenance or replace something, I put that same amount of money in the stock market, stock market's going to crush it every single time, every single time. The only way that rental properties keep up is because of the leverage. And that means more risk and it means more headache because of renters and everything else. So, um, you know, a lot of Bay Area clients came up to the Northwest where we, you know, so we have the the Bay Area office in Redwood Shores and then an office in Vancouver, Washington, right by Portland, Oregon. And that's been a hot area in, in especially Southern, Southwestern Washington. Um, but recently a, a client that has a, a brand new home um, had to replace a roof after five years because because of some moss issues and they're they're kind of in a fight with the builder. But that was a twenty five thousand dollar expense that they weren't you know thinking they were going to have. Luckily, the appreciation has been phenomenal and the cash flow is pretty good. But those things pop up right when you own rental properties. They don't when you own stocks. <laughs> so when you own stocks, they're positive typically about seventy seventy four percent of the time, and you just want to buy more when they're negative. That's right. There's a great New York Times article that I've had for 20 years and still in my draft portfolio that talked about if you invest in real estate in five of the major cities, L.A., Chicago, New York, San Francisco, um, from 1980 to 2020, the returns, you would have quadrupled the real estate returns just by going into the SP 500 without the paying the electricity, without paying the taxes, like in trying to convince people in California that it's really, really difficult, Chad. Mm-hmm. Well, I- and. And two, so the, it, you know, real estate is a game of total return, and and that's the income, but you also have the appreciation. So those that are really good at real estate and they accumulate a lot of properties, they're constantly doing what's called a ten thirty one exchange into something bigger and better. Right? You know, they buy a rental property for three hundred thousand, rent it out for a few years, they get the appreciation because it's in a good area, they fix it up, and then they flip it, and then they're they're on to the next one. But every time you do a ten thirty one exchange, you have to go the same value or bigger, right? And if you have a loan on that property, you have to make sure that you have that same type of debt on the new property. So typically, again, it's like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And people get into a point in life that we're really focused on real estate where they can't go any bigger. They don't want to do more 1031 exchanges. And then they're looking at, okay, how do I start to liquidate and simplify life you know, over time? We've got about two minutes. Where should we go with this? Well, I mean, before maybe next segment, we can get into 1031 exchange options that are out there to become more of a passive investor. But I think people need to really understand what happens when you sell a rental property. So if you buy it for, you know, let's say, you know, 250,000, you sell it for a half a million, you have to pay capital gains tax on the difference. Okay. State and federal. But at the same time, you also have to look at your depreciation that you've taken over all those years. And the depreciation is typically take the value of the structure, you divide by 27 and a half, and that's how much depreciation you get to take, which helps decrease your taxes over time. And um, you have to recapture that at a 25% federal rate. And so there's, there's, there's that tax in addition to it. Now, older people have to realize that if you own real estate and you're in California or Washington and you're married, it's community property states, when the first person passes away, the real estate gets a full step up in basis. And that is a good opportunity to finally exit that at that, that point in time. 
Um, so people deal with this when, you know, got mom, dad going into a nursing home or something else. Well, we got to sell the house. We got to sell the rental property. Well, you might want to consider the taxes of that step up and basis situation. So something to plan for. Okay, coming up, we'll talk a little about 1031 to DSTs, 1031 to DSTs, 721s, and CRUT, Charlotte Remander Unit Trust. We have more content on rentals. We have more content coming up. But the Retirement Income and Tax Planning Strategy, Thursday evening, May 25, 630 to 830. Great chance to meet Chad and his team of CFPs. Learn what CFPs do and don't do. It's going to be a good event talking about income in retirement, $500,000 investable assets. You're going to learn about Social Security strategies, high inflation environments of investing with uh uh, what sort of returns should he get? We're going to be talking about the famous approach that Chad has right now on stock market returns and uh, sequence of returns and how important it is to have alternative sources of income in your portfolio. It's a good, good, good show. You can sign up for it at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. You can catch his podcast, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Pretty easy to buy a rental property. You get the idea, you get the funding, you find the renter. How about selling it? We're going to talk about that in just a second. After I talk about the Thursday event, May 25th, 630 to 830. We do about four of these a year on the peninsula. You can sign up today, retirement income and tax planning strategies. Good, bad retirement products will be discussed. There are some bad ones. Social security strategies. Um, it's not just as easy as taking it the moment you can get it. And that's typically a mistake, but you have to learn more before making that decision. Uh, protecting your state, long-term care costs. My mother spent the last three years of her life in long-term care and probably spent about $325,000. Um, it's going to be sad to say this, but it's expensive. And sometimes you just don't want it to drag on, not just for the money, but for the lifestyle. Chad, let's talk about 1031s. I, I admit it that I have a rental property in Raleigh. I don't know what I want to do with it. I have had low rents in there. I've had high rents. I'm ultimately very happy with it. But the whole idea of capital gains and recapturing depreciation stresses me out. Um, what should people do if they have a rental that they want to get rid of um, as life moves on? Well, uh, what if you could end up, you know, just putting that rental property into a diversified real estate investment trust that owns like, you know, tons and tons of properties that are, you know, everything from multifamily to self storage to to whatever, and and you know, yield over five percent. I, I think that's the right direction for me because I'm getting to the point where I don't want to. I, I have to put a new roof on this summer, and I actually got kind of lucky. There was a hailstorm mm -hmm. last year. And the roofing company, the property management company said, hey, we'll, we'll do a roof inspection for you. I said, sure. So they send me 50 pictures and there's uh, some damage from the hail. So it's totally my insurance will kick in and, and cover the new roof minus thousand dollar deductible. No. Yeah. So, I mean, it had some coverage there, um, but it's a pain in my butt is what I was getting at. Yeah. I mean, even with the property manager, things, uh, you know, <laughs> things come up where the property manager needs to contact you to get your approval on you know, putting on a new deck or, you know, dealing with siding issues or, you know, renter moves out. So you got to fix up the yard, those kind of things that just yep. kind of come and go when you're trying to go into retirement and travel all the time. Um, and, and you also need to make sure that if you have a lot of other assets, that those rental properties are well insured and or put into an LLC so that if something happens, then 
you know, they're not going to penetrate the walls of that LLC and take, take over your other assets. Um, now have I ever seen that happen in my career of almost 29 years? I have not. <laughs> so, uh, but it is something that's that, you know, every advisor will tell you that's a wise thing to do just for protection. Um, so the first thing, to, okay. So what should people consider here? First of all, people really need to look at their tax return and say, okay, what was, what's my net income from this property? You know, run what's called a profit and loss statement on your rental property. Here's my income from my renters minus all of my expenses, property taxes, an annual average amount of maintenance costs, my, my property manager, my insurance, you know, HOA or, you know, in worst case scenario, condo fees, you and I both have about the same opinion on that stuff. Um, but HOA dues and all the kind of things that say, okay, what's, what is my net income? Let's leave depreciation out of it for a while, but what's my net income that hits, that ends up in my bank account at the end of each year divided by the value of that real estate. And if you have a number that ends up in less than 4%, you've got a problem, right? You, you may have a problem. Um, and, and I'm talking about, you know, if, especially if the property is paid off, that's, that's not great net income. No, it's not. So you have to say, okay, you know, has the appreciation kind of capped out where I'm at and, and I can either do a 1031 exchange to another rental property in another area that has better either growth potential or income potential or both. So in a 1031 exchange, uh, the first thing you have to do is make sure you have a qualified intermediary. So you tell everybody, if you, if you want to sell this property, you tell the real estate agent, everybody up front, I'm doing a 1031 exchange. Because you have to have a qualified intermediary that once the house is sold, the QI, the qualified intermediary, holds the money until you close on your next property. And if you do it right, you can do a tax-free exchange. You can sell one rental property as long as you go into another. And you have a, from the date of sale, you have a 45-day period to either identify up to three properties that you're interested in or a whole bunch of properties that you're interested in that, that add up to no more than 200% of the value of what you've sold. Um, and you know, if, if you don't end up with the same amount of debt on the new purchase that you sold, you know, so if you have a, you know, $250,000 mortgage on the rental that you sold, you need to have that much debt on the new rental. Um, or you could potentially have some partial taxable income. So it's called boot. It's another funny name. Um, so you have, uh, 45 days to identify properties, 180 days to close from the date of your sell. So there's certain rules, there's a qualified intermediary and there's ways to do it. It's very common. Um, so that's what people tend to do that, you know, build real estate portfolios over time. They start off with small rental properties. They didn't, they fix them up, sell them, go into a better rental property, eventually go into apartments and things like that. And they just keep going and going. But if you get to a point in life, you're in retirement and you're trying to create more income, more passive income where you don't have to bother with it as much. There are 1031 exchange options out there. Um, you can 1031 into a building leased out to Amazon, for example, um, where it's called a Delaware Series Trust, where you 1031 exchange into that building and you're a partial owner um, in that building. And there's a manager that's doing all the management of the building. You just kick back and, and take your passive income. Um, a lot of those, though, you have to make that decision to do it again every five to seven years, because typically in those programs, the company that's buying the building, you know, the, the building leased to Amazon, a senior living, a self-storage, a student housing, 
whatever they're 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 trying to make more than just the income they're they're eventually going to either fix it up and sell it or and, and swap into something else so you typically have to make that decision every five to seven years to what am I going to go into next? Or I just want to take the money now and pay the taxes. And then after the break, if for those that just want to eventually be done and don't want to make that decision every five to two, uh, seven years, you can 1031 exchange into a specific building. And then after a couple of years, end up into a diversified real estate investment trust. So we can talk about what's called the 721 exchange. Um, but we need more than the what 30 seconds that we have left. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> Looking forward to it. We're talking rental selling options, including 1031 to 721 DST. So lots going on. You can sign up for the event Thursday night, 630 to 830 in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Learn more about what retirement is going to look like and act like and do for you with CFP Chad Burton. Find it at chadburton.com. Sign up today. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I've worked with Chad, known Chad for roughly 25 years. And during the commercial breaks, we were laughing about how time flies. I can't believe we're almost in June. And if you are one of those people that time seems to fly on them, you got to do your financial planning before it's too late. That's what we're talking about. Palo Alto Elks Lodge, 630 to 830, Thursday night, May 25th. It's a two-hour seminar exploring retirement income, tax planning strategies to help you thrive during your golden years. Chad, we're talking about 1099s, and I think the topic came up because people have rental properties, and they they don't necessarily get the above 4%, above 4% cash flow out of them. Um, they tend to hold on to them and be indecisive, and you're telling me how to be decisive. You were last off somewhere at a 1031 talking about uh, – Another way to go about skinning the cat, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I think you said 1099s, but these are 1031 exchanges, yeah, which I, allows you to. Did I say 1099 down. on air? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, hey, funny. there's also if you have a a, a non qualified annuity or life insurance contract, you can and they're they're terrible. You can do a 1035 exchange tax free into a new one. Oh, I didn't so there's all that. sorts of codes out there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, 1031 exchange. Uh, you know. Very common practice. Of course, there was they were trying to under the last tax change that didn't go through. They're trying to take those away for certain high income earners, which would have been a disaster for the real estate industry. Um, so ten thirty one, you're trying to go passive, right? You don't want to be the landlord anymore, even if you have a good property manager and you want higher income and or ways to create more liquidity. And so you could take a rental property in Walnut Creek and end up with a piece of a self-storage facility, a senior living, a student housing, an apartment building, a building leased to Amazon and, and you know get a diversified real estate portfolio and a lot of times more income with no headache. Um, the headache comes of every five to seven years, those properties are typically sold again because the company that is doing them. And there's only a few good ones out there, honestly, Rob, that have been around through the Great Recession. Um, that are really good and solid companies. Um, you know, that's the drop. You have to do it again every five to seven years. There's a, there's a more of a final approach to those that want, don't want to do that every five to seven years. You can look for an offering that is going to be that the a real estate investment trust plans to purchase it. So for example, if Somebody wanted to, if a real estate investment trust wanted to buy my building in downtown Vancouver, Washington, I could exchange my building for 
shares of that real estate investment trust and end up getting out of my building and into a diversified real estate investment trust um, without paying taxes through what's called a 721 exchange. And REITs are very, I mean, real estate is one of the 11 sectors of the S&P 500, right? It's just building. You, you A real estate investment trust, it's, it's um, a, a publicly traded stock typically, and th- these cases are typically private, but um, and usually they're a concentration of something, either office or apartments or senior living, uh, you know, those kind of things. Um, but one of these options that are out there, you can 1031 exchange into a building that plans on being purchased by a diversified real estate investment trust. And so you hang out in that building for two years. And after two years, you end up in a diversified real estate investment trust, typically so a higher enough. income. And so then you're done. You don't have to make those decisions again every five to seven years. You end up with a very diversified REIT, real estate investment trust. And then what's really cool about this is that that allows, there's a way that you can actually sell the share specifically tied to your cost basis and pull your cost basis out of that REIT without paying taxes and create more liquidity in your life and let the other taxable shares ride. Um, so there's, you know, lots of rules and, and restrictions and things like that, that you've got to deal with and you got to make sure you have other liquid assets and you fully understand these things, but there's some really attractive ones out there. Um, for those that are like, you know what, I'm not getting the North of 4% net income on my paid off property anymore. And I'm, I'm just kind of done being a landlord. You are really earning your keep today as a CFP. This is great content. Um, should we move off rentals and into another area? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. we we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, FDIC insurance world that is going on out there. Yeah. What's your opinion on FDIC insurance? It seems like, um, it's there and it seems like it's working. Yeah, it is. I think that, um, I mean, there's all sorts of opinions I can have on what could stop, you know, runs on banks, but these smaller regional banks are still having issues holding on to deposits, And so, you know, I think it is important for people that are lucky enough to have enough cash at a bank to be over the $250,000 FDIC insurance. It's important that you, you know how to deal with it. Right. And you can, by adding beneficiaries to your account, either in the form of a TOD transfer on death. So you could take your, your account at a specific bank and that's only 250,000 of FDIC insurance. And you could add your three kids transfer on death and potentially get your FDIC insurance up to $250,000 times three um, on that account. So before you have to go running around to move money around banks, um, even better, you have a living trust and your living trust already names the beneficiary. So that's a way to also increase your FDIC insurance. And, you know, transfer on death is fine, Rob, but if you have a living trust and you go into the bank and you take a large cash account and you make it transfer on death to your kids, it bypasses everything your will and your trust says hmm. and can screw your estate planning up. So I'm, I'm seeing this mistake now more and more because people are so concerned. Um, you know, we have, of course, have option where, you know, we have one account that people can open that opens up a bunch of different bank accounts and get FDIC insurance up to $25 million in some cases. Great for operating accounts for businesses and stuff like that. That's for existing clients. So not for everybody. Um, recently I, I had a client go into the bank and, you know, deal with this. Like you, you need to go in, you get your savings account registered under your living trust and talk to them about, um, certain sweep account options to get your business uh, account 
you know, insured for a higher level. And they went in and this regional bank was offering them a rate exception on FDIC insured money market accounts for 5% because they're trying to hold on to deposits. That's pretty sweet. So it's pretty easy to get 4%, you know, north of 4% with Capital One, 360 Ally, Marcus, you know, even Apple has that deal with Goldman Sachs on the savings account on the phone. Um, How, as a purist, as a truest, how comfortable are you with online banking or banking on your phone or banking? as long as people keep their security up to date and they use a, some sort of a password creation, you know, password keeper program with dual authentication, I'm fine. But, you know, people that have a five-year-old computer and write their passwords down and you could look at their pa- their Facebook page and know the name of their pet and their first born um, and hack their accounts. I, th- I think you got to be careful. It's a world of cybersecurity. Um so you do have to be very, very careful. The problem I have, Rob, with most of these online FDIC-insured bank accounts is it's very difficult, if not not even allowed, to have your large savings account owned by your living trust, which is extremely important in states like California and Oregon, where probate costs are very expensive. And so people might move money out of a bank account that's registered to their trust to an online savings account that's not, and then pass away and cause their state to go through probate. So, um, complicated. You know, again, for existing clients, we have options that make it real easy and higher rates, you know, well north of 4% right now. But, um, you know, it, it is a real, it is a real issue. I think that we all know you can't turn on CNBC or Bloomberg or whatever radio or TV that is financial and not hear about the trillions of dollars of commercial property debt that needs to be refinanced. And that's a scary thing to think about when you're living in San Francisco or Portland, Oregon, where those cities are poorly ran and lots of empty office space. Um, like Portland, Oregon is a disaster. The politics there have literally ruined the city. Um, and so you're kind of jaded, right? When it comes to <laughs> that commercial property. So it makes it holding uh cash and banks that might be over levered in that area, a little bit scary, but media is causing the issue. There's, there's banks that are, you know, having these deposit issues that are, their portfolios are fine, but people are just nervous and they don't know how FDIC insurance works. And um, one of the things that the feds could have done right away is to say, if you are a business, your accounts are fully insured by the FDIC. And that would, that, that could stop a lot of the, caused issue of people, you know, moving money to the too big to fail banks. Interesting stuff. Um, I didn't scare you too much on that one, but it's it's supposed to be more educational than scary. (laughs) There was a statistic that I found kind of shocking that New York city's got 19 empire state buildings, essentially empty in office space. Mm -hmm. And we are, we are talking more about it. And I think it's something that, that worries people, but at the same time, there's a lot going on in this economy, more than just commercial real estate. And like you said last time you're on, there'll, there'll be opportunities. Well, I, I think there is. I mean, I'm really starting to look for, I've got some private real estate investment trusts that I really like that I'm waiting later in the year to add to because it's such a known issue. The office disaster is a known issue. And some of these really good real estate investment trusts are going to be able to use cash to buy these buildings on a major discount. Maybe they go in and renovate them and turn it into you know high-end retail at the bottom and high-end apartments at top. And eventually, you'll have a migration back into the cities once they get fixed. One. Um, and most places like you know Houston and Dallas and places like that are doing great. It's the 
it's the you know Portland and San Francisco and New Yorks that are having the big issues. Coming up, we're going to talk alternative investments, including private real estate, private equity, private credit, direct lending, and much, much more. But I need to plug the event for this week, Thursday, May 25, 630 to 830, Retirement Income and Tax Planning Strategies, two-hour seminar, Exploring Retirement Income and Tax Planning Strategies. Lots of what we talked about today in a little bit more detail with a lot more visuals. So this should be helping you think about financial planning and retirement issues. You can learn more about CFP Chad Burton, and he is hustling the work right now, doing a great job. You can find more about him and sign up for the event at chadburton.com. That's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. That's chadburton.com. Retirement planning is more complicated than ever, and it can be hard to even know where to begin. So set aside Thursday evening, May 25th, and get ready to learn some strategies from Chad Burton and Rob Black that can help you retire better and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. That's May 25th at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. This event will focus on retirement income and tax planning. If you're nearing or are in retirement and have at least $500,000 in investable assets, this seminar is for you. Chad will explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much more. Learn how to invest during high inflation and interest rate moves, social security strategies, and managing IRAs and 401ks in retirement. Rob Black will share market happenings and trends. That's Thursday, May 25th, 6.30 p.m. at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Sign up for the event at chadburton.com. For KDOW listeners, we'll waive the sign-up fee. Chad Burton. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.